I've heard it said that, that um, no man in uniform should stand in a pulpit. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if Christians don't serve in the military, then heathens will be the commanders. We, they need us, okay? They need you if you're young. Um, not to mention the fact since, 19, or since uh, 1775, there have been 25,000 chaplains in the military. Not to mention over 400 of them have died, and nine of them in this time have won the Congressional Medal of Honor. Hallelujah. I praise the Lord for those men and the things that they've done. Uh, can I have my first slide? Nope. Go to the colored one. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I studied for this thing. I worked on this for about a month. And I, come, I, I like stories and antecedents. And uh, so I was looking and putting them all up. And I, for the life of me, I could not figure out how to make all this come together and click. And then last Thursday and Friday, uh, there was this miasma, this, uh, uh, not depression, but this heaviness. And it was just all over me. And I told my wife, you know, I said, this, is, this, is, this ain't right, okay? I don't have to take this from the devil. All right? uh, and the Lord showed me uh, that night that, uh, and how to make all this come together. This is a very famous painting of George Washington. Um, it was painted in 1975. I didn't know that. I thought it was a real old painting. But it comes from Mr. Potts. Now, in uh, 1775, when uh, they were in Valley Forge and it, they were going through this really hard winter, Mr. Potts, his farm, uh, the, the, the Continental Army was bivouacked on it, and he was coming back one morning from checking the stock. And as he passed through this little thicket of woods, he heard something, and he moved in carefully and quietly, and he observed George Washington on his knees praying, and he listened to the man pray. When George had got up and left, then he returned uh, to his wife breakfast in the warm farmhouse. Uh, and he told his wife that, and to paraphrase, the British don't stand a chance because our general prays like no other man. Hallelujah. And so that's where this painting comes from. <clears throat> Next, please. The other guy. <laughs> One more. Ah, oh, yeah, Mr. McLean, McLean, L-E-A-N. Um, <clears throat> in seven, let's see, 18, 1861, uh, the, the three months after they'd fired on Fort Sumner, and the South and the North had begun to set up uh, their armies and take positions in the field, uh, Mr. McLean, McLean uh, invited uh, General Beauregard, a Confederate general, to use his house uh, just west of D.C., west of... Uh, of Manassas and uh, to, to use it as his headquarters. And they were having dinner uh, one night and a cannonball came through the, through the house, through the dinner table and, in, and embedded itself in the fireplace in the kitchen. You know, and Beauregard said, well, I was really looking forward to that. <laughs> but uh, to bring it to, that was the beginning of the battle um, of Bull Run. We're very hard and, and, and uh, bloody battle. Mr. McLean, after a few months, he had 1,200 acres. He got rid of all that, and he moved 100 miles away. He didn't want to didn't be in the way anymore. Didn't want to be with his family, uh, you know, in, in, in harm's way. So they moved down to Appomattox County 
in Virginia. And now the next one, please. They bought this house. <laughs> and just to show you how God works, uh, uh, General Grant surrounded uh, uh, General Lee and his forces, and they were really, really in a bad shape. And uh, so they surrendered, and the Civil War came to an end in 1865. And you'll never guess in whose house they all came and started, signed the papers. Mr. McLean moved from the beginning of the war to the end of the war. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, that's good. Thank you. Um, I'm 71. Okay, you saw me stand up. I did five years in the Army, then I did three in the Air Force, and I did 20 in the Marine Corps, and uh, retired as a night attack carrier squadron commander. Uh, throughout all the things that I've gotten to do, the Lord has kept His hand on me. And no other thing could have kept me through this. I don't, lack, I, I, I don't have the talent, you know, to do the things. And if I uh, it took long enough, I could tell you about the, what it's like to fly 600 miles an hour, 100 feet off the ground through the canyons, bobbing and weaving at 1 o'clock in the morning in the pitch black. Fun. Okay. <laughs> Literally. All right. We, 10 or 12 of us, I was, a, I was a SEAL, we'd get done flying that night. We'd be walking around the road about that high off the ground going, I love it. Wow. Is that not a rush? <laughs> and it is. It really is. But uh, a long time ago, I, I got saved when I was 16. Uh, I, I got on my knees and, and uh, didn't know anything, didn't know nothing. And, and I accepted Christ and was filled in the Holy Spirit at the same time. And uh, hallelujah. Uh, he needed to do that because he knew where he was going to take me. Um, I... Uh, uh, there was a young lady, she was, I was 16, she was 15, she's standing there looking at me, crying my eyes out, and she says, I'm probably going to marry him, and we've been married 51 years now. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. Yeah. Glory. Uh, she's a saint. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, and anyway, um, right off when I went into the Army, I... Uh, uh, the company took a test to be in special forces. This is 1968. Green Berets were really a big thing, started 64. And three of us, Arnold and Walk and myself, passed this thing. Uh, it was the worst test I ever took on. I never want to take another one. And, and so we ended up with orders that said special forces on it. And so no matter where we went, we couldn't get out of them. Okay, we went to airborne infantry training. We went to jump school. Then I went on to special forces training. And I tried everything since we had decided to get married. Uh, to get out of those orders, I wanted to be a helicopter pilot. And I, I, at, at jump school, I finally went to the chaplain. I said, look, I've tried everything else. Said, you know, how do, I, how do we fix this? I want to I wanna be a helicopter pilot. And they, uh, the guy says, well, the chaplain, Merlin Crothers, uh, is on leave right now, but he's got a new book out, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind if I gave you a copy. So he gave me a copy of Prison to Praise. Okay, and yeah, hallelujah, great book, all right? And that became uh, my life scripture, okay? And that is that all things, Romans uh, 8, 28, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose, all right? And all are called, okay? Uh, and when you accept the Lord, uh, you're working in, in the purpose that He's got for you, or He's working the purpose beforehand to get you to this point. Where you at, Ken? Come here, buddy. Uh, this is Ken Close. Uh, he was in the Navy, but that's all right. <laughs> hey, buddy. Love you. Go ahead. 
Oh, Lord. Is this thing on? Yep. Well, happy Veterans Day 2020. I've been asked to share a personal experience but tonight, but first, regardless of your rank, rate, whatever station you were in, thank you for your service. <laughs> Man. Um, testimonies are personal. Because they are personal, they are often irrefutable to those who experience them. Because they are personal and irrefutable, they have power of life-changing to, the, to the person that encounters them. Hebrews 11.6 says that it's impossible to please God without faith. God gives us each a measure, of, a measure of faith, but he also gives each one of us a beautiful testimony that's a tool to grow our faith. Sometimes fast and sometimes slow, but after a time, we will see his grace. Revelations 12, 10 through 11 tells us that Satan himself, the accuser, has been defeated by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. And by the words of our testimonies. Let us all proclaim the glory of God, for he has brought all good things into our lives. He has sustained us. He has provided. He has been faithful. When asked to testify, I thought, I'm not going to raise my hand. I have no testimony in the military but failure. You see, the Lord smiled at me when I said that, and he laughed, and he led me to Scripture in John 6, 12, and he reminded me that it is recorded that after he fed the 5,000, he had the disciples gather the scraps, for he wastes nothing. <laughs> in 1980, I went to Valley Forge Military Academy as a camper, and I had such a good time, I asked my father if I could attend there. After camp, I enrolled there and involved. It started great. I committed myself, and I was doing great. Two years later, I found myself embarrassed because I found out that the boys there were sent there because they were bad. But I had chosen. How stupid was I? <laughs> After being sexually abused by a senior cadet, my attendance ended lackluster, allowing myself to follow another cadet into drug use. The Lord showed me, even through that, when I reflected on it, that I still speak with cadets today, that we suffered things together that no one could understand and that I built relationships and brotherhoods that could not be replaced. He told me that I sang for President Reagan in the White House, and that was an experience that not many get to do. And I still aspire to the character of the plaque that was given to me of what character, good character would be, what godly character looks like. In 1988, I joined the United States Navy as a result of my father dying, and I told him on his dying deathbed that I would be the best pilot the Navy had ever seen. No offense. <laughs> you had to be in a Marine Corps. What started out in great style, with achievement and attitude, promotions turned sour at the first sight of pushback. I was told that I would be too old by the time I got done with my obligations to join NAVCAD. Assigned to the USS Enterprise, I began the arduous process of proving that I was unfit for duty. <laughs> Eventually, I earned my general under honorable conditions uh, discharge, only to find myself broken and spent the next seven years perfecting the art of self-serving until I reached a state of depression that I would wish upon no one but God. <laughs> but God. He's good and he wastes nothing. In time, I learned many valuable lessons, but two of the most important are this. My plans are often short-sighted. His plans are perfect. Mm -hmm. Amen. 
And instead of curing a bad decision that I've made with another bad decision to trust in God, and in doing that, he will turn every bad decision to his glory. I stand here tonight testifying to you, brothers and sisters, about our God. And I can tell you a few things for sure. God is good. Amen. He knew I'd be doing this tonight even before the beginning of time. And he has been with me even while I was a selfish sinner. <laughs> Two, when I look for his hand in my life, I will always find the glory in his name in it. And three, he is not a respecter of persons and delivers these magnificent testimonies to each one of us Amen. as his children with love. So for every veteran that sits here and has worn a uniform, may you be blessed for having served even as we serve the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. If I could get him to sit down and shut up. <laughs> Hallelujah. He, he is forgiven much, loves much. Hallelujah. And the Lord has plans for us. You know he did. Every one of you come to the Lord at one time or another, and he worked everything out in your life to bring you to that point, okay, that, that all things would work together for good for you. Okay. And he's got more and greater plans for us. And I'm going to share my, my, my testimonies with you. Uh, uh, in 1969, I was in Special Forces training. Uh, I, had, I had read uh, Prison to Praise, okay, and the whole book is about when something bad happens to you, get on your knees and start praising God that it's getting bad, okay? And, and I thought, that's about the craziest thing I ever heard. Uh, but I put it into practice, okay? Uh, and uh, the day came in, in Special Forces where I had to go tell everybody that uh, I had to go to this uh, uh, flight board. I couldn't go to class. And man, that put a big target on me, and that meant within two weeks I'd be on my way to Vietnam, and it happened that way. But I went to the flight board. Out of 10,000 possible points, I had 9,996, okay? <laughs> and I failed the flight board. And the guys at uh, the 12th Army, I think it was then, said, uh, you know, what'd you do? I said, nothing. I went in and sat down like you said, and he just stood me at attention, chewed me all out, and cussed at me, and threw me out the door. Um, you know, and so I, I wanted to kill this guy. Okay, I just spent the last 10 months in Special Forces figuring out how to do it, right? And, and the, 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 my wife and I were on fire. We were living for the Lord. And this feeling would come over me, and I'd get on my knees, and I'd say, Father, I don't want to feel this way. This is the devil. It is not who I am. I'm being pressured into this. I worship you, and I'm going to enumerate all the things you've done for me. I thank you, Jesus, you saved me. I'm still mad, Lord. You've got to get rid of this. You know, I, I thank you, Lord, that you gave me a wife that loves you, Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, Lord, get rid of this demon. Okay, and, and I'd start naming things, okay? And within 60 seconds, 90 seconds, it was over. It was gone. I was really praising the Lord. You know, and that scripture comes to mind that, uh, that uh, when we resist the devil, he's got to flee. And what I was doing was resisting everything he wanted me to feel. Right? Okay. But the Scripture goes on and says one other thing, that God inhabits the praises of His people. Hallelujah. So the devil didn't leave. He had to run because Jesus was coming. Hallelujah. All right? And so that went on probably five, six times a day while I went through the next two weeks out processing, getting ready to leave North Carolina and go back to California and leave my wife and my family. Uh, went on. Uh, you know, I remember being in a white front or a 
Kmart's kind of store it was, you know, and, and I was livid again. I was thinking about how to do this. I'm like, I don't want to think this way. Stop it, stop it, stop it. I don't want to think this way. This is not me. This is not who I'm. So I went in the men's room and I, and, and, and the, where you change your clothes and try things on. And I got down and I said, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I praise you. I give you glory. You saved me. I give you glory. You filled me with Holy Spirit. You know, and again, in about uh, 60 to 90 seconds, the devil was off. The pressure was gone. And, and this is our weapon, the praise God, all right? The Israelites won. How? Because they stood out, they praised the Lord. And they lost when they didn't praise the Lord, you know? They didn't go out there in front of everything with, with a bunch of artillery and tanks and everything. They went out there with a choir and a band. Woo! You know, put fear of God in those people. The Lord fell on the enemy, and they killed each other. So, I, we go home. I'm home for 30 days, and I go to Vietnam. After about, it's, it's been about eight weeks at this point, the, the devil quit pestering me. Well, you know, for a lot of reasons, I guess. One, one might be that I no longer was on Fort Bragg and couldn't get to that guy. But in reality, I had a button. You know? And he'd press that button, and I'd start feeling bad. Okay? And I'd start feeling mad. You know? And I thought, I thought about this button, and I thought, Lord, I don't want that button to work. How do I make that button not work? Every time the devil presses it, I get on my knees and I say, Father, I thank you and I praise you. <laughs> you know, I am yours and I'm going to do what you want me to do regardless of how I feel. Okay? I praise you. I give you glory. And again, it go away. And now the devil, when he presses your button, he does not want you to praise the Lord. He wants you to get mad, get angry, go do what you want to do. All right? But when you start praising the Lord when he presses that button, you know, eventually it's not going to work anymore because that demon is getting in a lot of trouble with his boss. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. So, uh, long and short it was, I did a year in Vietnam. Uh, I won't, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell you now. Uh, I was in the country 10 days. We were in a place called the Punch Bowl over on the, in the Two Corps, right in the middle of the country, but all the way to the west side against, uh, in the Chupa Mountains. It's in a place called the Punch Bowl. The Punch Bowl was, was a, a big meadow with, with hills or, you know, maybe 15, 2,000 feet mountains around us. But it was, we were just this high valley. And it was called the Punch Bowl because all oh, they could start from any position around us and drop mortars on us. Okay? Uh, and they'd pop a whole bunch of those things. Uh, and so anyway, the Punch Bowl. I'm in country 10 days. I'm there. And we get word the Bravo Company's having a firefight. And so uh, we're going to go into a hot LZ and relieve them. So we hop on, on helicopters. Now, being the new guy, I don't know the first thing about, about, I've been on a lot of helicopters, but never without the doors and never without the seats. So I jump and I get stuck in the middle. The doors are right here. There's a guy here hanging on, hanging on. And we're so tight with our packs and everything, I can't move my hands. Okay, I can't get my arms. You know? So we take off and we're going there. And the way you go into a hot LZ, they'll corkscrew. They'll start up real high and go around and around and around, getting tighter, and then they'll hit the ground, you jump out and, and take off, because this, you, if you don't jump out immediately, you're going to be jumping 10 feet, because he's leaving, all right? And uh, so I'm sitting there in this helicopter, and straight down is that way. I mean, it's not straight down, but it's like 45 degrees. So I'm looking at this going, Lord, this is not nice. This is not good. You know, I got nothing to hold on to. Whop, 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 whop. The helicopter's making all kinds of noise, you know, and I'm slipping. Okay, I'm slipping. I'm going, Lord, you know, it's, it's, about, two and a, it's about two feet, maybe a foot and a half to the, to the, to the, uh, the foot, uh, uh, the skid on the helicopter. You know, I'm thinking, I got a hundred pound pack on. Can I grab that and hang on if I fall that distance? Well, I knock myself, you know, and I'm thinking, Lord, help me. So I start praying. 
And I mean, I'm pleading the blood of Jesus. I am praying in tongues as loud as I can. I am screaming. I'm falling out of here, Father. You got to help me. And in a blink, in a blink, the jungle, in the blue sky, the jungle, not green, became white. And blink, I'm like, I'm looking at this. I'm like, what? What is this? To the horizon, it was white, and it was bumpy, and it was wiggly. And I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, what's going on? And I looked right over here. <laughs> I'll recognize this man when I get to heaven, this angel. Because his head, his head comes up out of all the wings and looks at me, and then puts his head back down. Amen, <laughs> man. Gave me peace. The Lord says to me instantly right then, he says, many times people in the world are saved because of the presence of one Christian. Hallelujah. Well, we hit the ground. I went running, uh, and uh, it was a firefight, but it was, it was over in no time. Um, I didn't get killed, and I, I really had a, a testimony for what the Lord would do. Um, let's see. An, uh, uh, in the, it was either the last weekend in April of 1970 or the first couple of days in May. Um, we had to set up a new uh, fire base. Now, what happens with... Uh, a, a battalion is they go in and they, they set the headquarters up and then they take the companies and dump all five of them in, in areas so that they've got like 20 or 30 clicks and we hunt and destroy for three weeks and then they pick this whole thing up again and it starts all over someplace else. Well, I was, by this time, I'm, uh, I'm the XO for the Sergeant Major uh, a headquarters company. And I said, I, I need to go in first and, and talk to the COs. Because everything's, all the reporting is all messed up. So he says, okay, fine. I jump on a helicopter with a bunch of other guys. There's two helicopters. We go, we land in the middle of nowhere. I'm looking around. Who's in charge? And they're all looking at me. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. So I took these guys, and I walked a perimeter. I told them where the bunkers would go, and I dropped this guy off. You got Alpha Company, et cetera, et cetera. I said, the four Deuce motors go here. The 81s go here. The 105 howitzers will go here. The, the five, or the eight, in, eight inches. Uh, yeah, the eight inches would go there. And <clears throat> um, there was a cliff, okay? This being east, that being west. There was a cliff. It went down about 2,000 feet. It was, it was really steep. So I thought, well, this is what a great place to, you know, uh, use it as a perimeter. I could spread the, spread the guard towers out, uh, or bunkers out, so we'd have more guys on that side. And we built the, I've had them build the, the helicopter pad right here on the edge of the cliff. Now it's about 2,000 feet down to the valley, and then the mountains rise up to about 2,000 feet above us. And it's no more than three-quarters of a mile, half mile over there. And uh, so I've got to run around with a radio all day long directing. We probably had another 300 helicopters come in, tons of gear. Uh, uh, all the guys that were being moved from the field to here, back to the field, were coming and going. And uh, I was waiting for the last call. Last call, last call. Meaning the last helicopter's here and he's leaving. And it was getting dusk and uh, I was exhausted. I got nothing with me except this radio on my back. And I hear the call, and so I go in, and I, I jump on the helicopter, and I sit down uh, in the seats this time, facing forward. And we're waiting. It's like nobody. There's the four door gunners and the two pilots. And finally, here comes the CO and the XO, and both lieutenant colonels, and the command sergeant major that runs the battalion. And they come walking, and I'm looking at them, and the sergeant major goes, well, what? Okay, I knew what he meant. <laughs> okay, so I got off the helicopter, and I go, what? 
And he says, you're not going with us. I go, come on. This thing is empty. I've, got, I've still got hours of work to do if I get back to, 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 the, uh, to, the, to the road base. And, and, I've, and he says, I don't care. And I go, look, I know you don't like my sergeant major, but I'm not that guy. Okay? And he says, tough sergeant, tough. You know? And so I stood there. He gets in the helicopter. He's facing this way. Helicopter lifts off, you know, and I'm looking at him. He's got his head over with the CO and the XO, and he's, but he's, you know, he's talking to him, but he's looking at me going, just grinning ear to ear, you know. And I'm, I'm standing there, and I'm going, okay, Lord, all things work together for good, the Lord, those that love you, and I love you. I don't have a clue. I've got nothing. I've got no food. I don't have a bedroll. I, that's okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay? Sometimes we fast because we want to, and sometimes we fast because we don't want to. Okay? But, uh, you know, I, 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 I praise you. I give you glory. And I remember standing there. I praise you. I give you glory. I thank you, Lord. And I watched this helicopter dive down, uh, unloaded, put zero G on. That means they could accelerate real fast, get all this airspeed up, and then turn to the, to, to the mountains, and he's going to climb up above us and go back that way. Right about here, three 51 caliber Russian anti-machine guns open up from the jungle. Green tracers leap out of the jungle, and the apex, all three of them hit that helicopter. That helicopter explodes in a ball of fire and is, is just tumbling gasoline ball of crunched metal all the way to the ground. And I'm going, wow. So that's why. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And everybody around me is going, yeah. <laughs> hallelujah. Okay. The Lord... Uh, wasn't done with me. He's not done with any of us, okay? Otherwise, we'd be home already. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> Thanks. It's, it's the Lord. Um, there are three times in my life. Let's see what have we got. Okay, three times in my life where the Lord has told me why something happened. Um, when I, I got out of the Army and I was, uh, my wife and I, we were, I was going to college, and uh, I didn't want to buy a house. I was running an apartment building. We had all the young married people from the church living there. It's brand new. It was great. Life was good. I'm going to college. I don't have to really do anything here as assistant manager. Free place. And we get robbed. Oh, my God. Father, you know, what have I hidden from thee? Where, what, what is wrong? I mean, what have, is there anything I've kept secret? You know, search me. And we get robbed a second time. <laughs> Lord, you know, this is, this is So I started getting up middle of the night going anointing everything. Okay, the whole, the whole place. We get robbed a third time. So, okay, all right, we're moving. And a week later, we bought a house in Reseda, uh, San Fernando Valley for $23,000. <laughs> you can't even get a car for that. Um, and, and so anyway, we lived there for, uh, the, well, I was in the Air Force going to uh, uh, USC, University of Southern Cal for the Air Force and college at Northridge. And um, come time to leave. And so we sold the house, you know, and um, I'm in the, we're in the uh, office, and I got this check for $16,000. I'm like, man, okay, now you, you guys don't realize, most of you, that uh, $16,000 in, uh, what is it, 1976 was more than a year's pay for most people, okay? And I'm, I'm looking at this check going, wow, that's unbelievable. And we walk out the door. And the light hits the check, and the realtor's holding the, holding the check, or holding the door, and the light hits the check, and the Lord says, that's why I stopped immediately, my wife ran into me. And I go, that's why what? He says, that's why you got robbed three times. I go, I don't understand. I was trying to bless you, but you wouldn't move, okay? <laughs> I'm like, thank you, Lord. Okay, I understand, I understand. 
When we came back out of the Army, they, they, the college had given me the wrong date. So when I showed up to start college in 71, uh, it had already started. And so I had a battle, not a battle necessarily, but I had to convince the dean that I, whatever he gave me, I would pass. Okay, so it was four weeks into the cla classes, and, and I did. I graduated in three and a half years. Uh, commissioned in the Air Force in December of 75. In January of 76, Air Force cuts all their pilot slots. So four days later, I'm in the Marine Corps. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like, uh, don't, anyway, I, I, I go in the Marine Corps. I, I, uh, I, I go through OCS. Uh, I go through the basic school, which is six months. Uh, I go to uh, Pensacola for a year at the basic, and then I go to uh, Kingsville, Texas for a year and a half. And in, uh, let's see, when did I go to Vietnam? I went to Vietnam, September of uh, 1969. Um, I graduate from Kingsville, Texas as a new naval aviator, and I'm driving across Texas headed for Yuma. I'm going to fly a single-seat A4s, and I'm just thrilled. All right, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We're about two hours west of San Antonio going through the hill country there. And my wife's asleep. My, my uh, oldest daughter, she's asleep uh, in the back. And she's like five. And the Lord says, that's why. And I'm like, that's why what, Lord? He says, that's why you filled the flight board in 1969. I go, I do not understand. And he says, you wanted to fly. Okay. If you'd have gone in the helicopters, you would have, had, you would have gone to Vietnam probably in late 72, okay, to 73. When you came back in 73, once the guys came back from overseas, if you were a high school graduate pilot, you were rifted. You were sent home. Your career would have been over. He says, I want I had something better for you. I uh, got you home, got you in college early. You graduated in three and a half years. You went to the very first OCS class you could go to, which was also the very last OCS class I could go to, because to be a pilot, you had to be commissioned by your 26 and a half birthday, and I made it by three weeks, okay? And I was able to do all this. And he says, you wanted to fly, and he says, I set it up so that you could fly, you know, 10 years later, okay, but you're going to get to fly for the rest of your life. <laughs> wow, praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Again, I'm driving about that high off the ground on my way to Yuma. Thank you, Lord. Um, first time was three years. Second time was 10 years. In 1992, I am uh, the singles minister at Faith Assembly in Woodbridge or Okoquan, uh, Virginia. I'm in the Pentagon working. Uh, the pastor's a retired major in the Army, and I'm working on becoming a pastor also. Uh, one Sunday evening, I'm sitting in the back. We ran about 1,100, and our altar was uh, not quite as, well, it was a little longer than what we got right here, just a little bit. And the, the place was jumping. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit was moving. There were people down all over the place. Praying was loud. And I was sitting back there with my wife, and I finally said, you know, I'm going to go down there and help them pray for something. So I get up, and I walk down. I don't feel nothing. I don't feel no draw or anything. I'm just getting up, okay? And I went down there. There, there's, we had a little rail about that high. And the people were shoulder to shoulder all the way and a couple of people deep. And everybody had somebody praying for them. And I come over here, and uh, this gentleman is probably 450 pounds. Um, I don't know him from Adam, but he's got a space about that big from him and a space about that big. And there's nobody praying for him. And as I walk up, I go, oh, I'm supposed to pray for him. And Jim, the youth minister, he grabs me. He says, help me pray for this lady. And I thought, Okay. So I move over, and I take him, and I put my hand on her shoulder. It was like praying for a brick, you know. It's like, nah. I said, Jim, 
I'm supposed to pray for him. So I move over, and this guy grabs me, grabs me this big bear hug, just squeezes, plants his face right here. I plant my face right there in his neck, and we bawled for five minutes. I cried so hard. This was my son come home. Hallelujah. You know, and I just bawled. We hadn't said a word, not a word to each other. And I'm just crying, and he's crying, and we're just loving on each other. And I mean sobbing. <gasps> okay? And the Lord says to me, tell him about your dad. I said, I don't tell anybody about my dad. He says, do I have to tell you twice? <laughs> I said, no, sir, not at all. And I, 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 again, it's the first words I say to him. I push him back and I say, when I was in the fourth grade, my dad killed himself. And I spent the next 12 years of my life trying to figure out what I had done that made him do that. And he screamed, bloody murder. I mean, he scared everybody in the building. Oh, man, he grabbed me so tight, I thought I was gonna be, wasn't going to be able to breathe. My tears now are going two feet that way. His tears are going three feet that way. You know, he is really sobbing, okay, and I'm bawling. And again, that's all we've said. After about five minutes, he starts calming down, pushes back, leans and looks down, and he says, my son's in the fourth grade, and I've been planning on killing myself. And... Uh, and uh, the Lord says, uh, that's why. And I says, huh? And he says, that's why you suffered like you did 30-some years ago, so you'd be ready for George tonight. Hallelujah. All things. Okay. <clears throat> All things. Hallelujah. I will… Uh, if I tell the guys in my class, Expect miracles tomorrow, tonight on your way home. Expect them. Look for them. They're all around you, okay? You will see them if you'll look for them, right? And if you'll listen to the Lord, okay, they're everywhere. My wife and I were in uh, um, Cherry Point, North Carolina. I was the maintenance officer for the largest squadron in the Marine Corps. had 43 airplanes. had a crew of a little over 400 guys that worked seven days a week, four shifts. Um, it was a long, tiring job. I'd be in most mornings between 5 and 5.30, get home somewhere between 8 and 10 at night. Worked m most of my Saturdays, rarely on a Sunday. Um, my brother comes from uh, San Francisco, and he started in a new firm and wants me to be uh, basically the, uh, the guy that, that sits in the front, all the desks and phone lines come to me, and his three partners, his partners, two partners, will run everything that, with, the, with the millionaires. Uh, he's, they have an accounting business, and I'm just supposed to take care of the buildings, the hire and the fire, and all that stuff. And uh, he says, what do it take? And I said, well, I'd like, uh, hmm, I'm on a major salary, and I'm like $2,900. I said, $110,000 a year, $45,000 to, to come to work for you as a bonus. Um, and a five-year contract that guarantees me $145,000 if you fire me. And he says, done. <laughs> and so for the, I told him, I couldn't talk right now. He, so he went home, and, and for three months, I tore my hair out, as you can see. <laughs> so for three months, I mean, I'm, I'm two-hearted. I can't live two-hearted. I got to have one heart, okay? I go in and I talk to my, my uh, warrant officer. I said, I'm getting out of the Marine Corps, man. I, you know, he's offering me everything that I'd have as a retirement. You know, if I stay three more years, I can have this retirement. But if I go work for him, I get the money right now, you know. And uh, if I, you know, here three more years. If I do that for just three more years. And I'd go in and I'd draw a line on the chalkboard. Get out. Money. 
you know, be with my family, you know, see everybody, don't have to go. I have to work in San Francisco. Okay, Marine Corps. I love it. And I'd go there and I'd sit and I'd look. Day in, day out, every day I was changing my mind. I was literally uh, not doing well. I needed an answer. And I come home on a Thursday night, and my wife will vouch for this. I said, I got to have an answer. I can't go on like this anymore. I need to know what I'm doing. And she says, what are you going to do about it? I said, I'm going to go upstairs and get on my knees, and the Lord's going to tell me. Okay? And, it, and it, it's not a demanding kind of thing, okay? I needed an answer, and I couldn't live another day. All right? So I went up, and I got on my knees. <laughs> I feel as religious as a carpet does, you know? And I'm like... Lord, I need an answer. I can't do this, all right? I, I, I need to know what to do. Uh, you got to tell me. I said, do I, do I stay three more years and, and go to the Pentagon, or do I get out and go to work with Mike? He says, open your Bible. I said, oh, open my Bible. Uh, Jesus went out and hung himself. Go ye and do likewise. Okay. He said, do I have to tell you twice? <laughs> I said, no, sir. Okay. I opened my Bible. Top left verse, Kings, uh, one, 1 Kings 22. And they continued for three years without strife. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, and I'm like, wow. Okay. And I mean, it just threw me. And I'm like, okay, so I'm supposed to go to the Pentagon. Yes. Okay. A lot of guys will leave their families in Cherry Point and commute. It's about a five-hour drive for three years, you know. And he said, am I supposed to take my family with me? Yes. I said, okay. Hmm. Supposed to sell my house? Yes. Okay. Let's see, I'll get a realtor tomorrow. No realtors. Hmm. Okay, no realtors. Well, I've sold houses before and bought them without a realtor. Uh, Saturday, I'll go up to Home Depot and get some signs. No signs. Uh, okay, I'm supposed to sell my house. I can't have a realtor and no signs. Correct? Correct. I go, I suppose somebody's just going to come knock on the door and want to buy my house. He says, yes. Okay, you know, I get upstairs, I go downstairs and I tell my wife, okay, Thursday night. Saturday morning, I'm running a little late. Uh, the cartoons are on, it's uh, like nine o'clock. I got my flight suit on and my boots. I'm laying on the floor with a daughter in each arm and a whole bunch of pillows watching cartoons. And yes, majors in the Marine Corps watch cartoons with their daughters. <laughs> and it's about 9.30 and the door, somebody knocks at the door. Nobody comes to that door, nobody. In all three years we lived there. So I go and I open it. It's Steve Junkersfeld. He lives about four or five houses down the road from me. And he, he says, uh, hey, I hear you got orders to the Pentagon. I go, I do. He says, you going to take your family? Yeah. I said, you going to sell your house? Yeah. He says, how much you want? I said, well, 135000 He says, I'll buy it. <laughs> it wasn't 48 hours. Not 48 hours. I got to be here faster. All right. So we go to the Pentagon, right? And I'm there three months, and the war thing all breaks out, and all the guys are leaving. And I go to headquarters and I say, look, I can go back down there. They took all the instructors. I can still teach guys to fly the airplane. And, uh, and so they send me down there for five months. And one day the skipper comes through, and he says, mm-hmm. I don't have it on here. My last name is Rife. Everybody says Reef. When I was a new lieutenant in my first gun squadron, I was made the drug and alcohol officer. Okay, and you can guess what my call sign was. Reefer. Yeah. Okay, so I got in more trouble for more officers. <laughs> I go, you know, my best friend's, his name was Butt Sweat. I <laughs> said, I'm thankful for this. Anyway, um, yeah, Gil Butler. <laughs> anyway, um, um, where am I? Oh, 
So I said, yeah. And he, he says, okay, you're going next Thursday. It's, it's like Friday. It's next Thursday you're leaving. I said, okay, fine. Can I take a day off? I'm going to go home and get my kids. So I drive back to D.C. I get everybody. You know, my little, my little uh, what's she, five years old, maybe six? Huh? She's, we're praying, you know, and, and my older daughter, she's in high, just graduated high school. And, uh, and Becky prays the child prayer. Don't let my daddy go to war. And, and my oldest daughter almost stopped her from saying that because he's got orders, right? So anyway, we're all crying and I'm excited. And so I drive back down there and it's Monday morning and I'm gonna let them leave as soon as I leave on Thursday. And uh, I see the skipper walk by the red room door and I go, he didn't look like he was too happy. So I went after him and I said, what's up? And he says, you're here TAD. I, the Pentagon released me to him temporary. I have to go back to him because they own me. Okay, he can't send me to fill one of his billets. And I'm going, Ross, just let me go in four days. I'll be over there and they'll go, wow, that shouldn't happen, but okay. okay. And he says, can't do it, can't do it. I go, okay. So let me go back to the Pentagon. The guys, some of the guys are getting out of there. Maybe I can get out of there. You know? So he says, okay, good. So I go back to the BOQ where everybody's still crying. And I said, well, I ain't going. Hallelujah. <laughs> so we get in the car and we're driving and the Lord says, that's why. And I go, huh? And so I says, what did the scripture say? Oh, well, they continued for three years. What did it say? And they continued for three years without strife. <laughs> you were never going to the war. Hallelujah. Okay, so there's more there, and he's got it all planned, and he's got your life mapped. Um, would you? Wow. <laughs> I'm thinking about George at that altar. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. Do you, do you want me to call everybody up? Okay. What we're going to do, um, we're going to both pray for the veterans, and we'd like right now, everybody stand if you would, please. And, but uh, we would like all of the veterans in the building, if you would just wouldn't mind moving to the altar area, it's a wide area, so you can spread out if you would, please. And, Hallelujah. This is, um, yeah, just come on down and fill in this area on, over guys. here, guys, and Hallelujah. maybe even around this altar, Praise the Lord. maybe up in mean? front here around the altar. Everyone bless you. Thank wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What, a, what a beautiful sight and, and such Amen. wonderful people. Mm -hmm. I um, have heard some of those stories, and they touch my heart when I first heard them so deeply, and again tonight, and thank you for sharing them. I had requested them. I had hoped you were going to share two or three of them, and wow, all of you have stories, don't you? All of you. All of you have memories, some of which bring great delight, joy, smile on your face and then no doubt you have some memories that like Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel, uh, that bring some pain and grief and and as pastor I'm going to pray a pastoral prayer over your life and I, I don't even feel really worthy in one sense but we serve a mighty God. Amen. And I know that God is able to reach way down inside 
and touch every area of your life. Because all things work together for good. And when Chuck said, that's why, that's why, when God spoke to him about you suffered all that pain and the loss of your dad, and, and here you are speaking life, not death, but life into a man who was going to take his life. So we're going to pray. And then I'm going to have Chuck as your brother um, in fellowship, camaraderie, finish this prayer. And everyone in the building, those of you online, veterans, we're going we're to pray for you too. Some of you need some healing. Maybe it's been so long that you don't even realize what you do need from God. But let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we have sat here and been amazed once more at your work of grace on our brother. God, you astound us with your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your direction, your provision. God, thank you that all things do work together for good. All those things that may be inside these individuals standing here and those online, those things inside of them, Lord, those things that hurt them, those things that brought great pain to their life, embarrassment to them, or, Lord, the other emotions. God, I pray that you would heal them, but you are working them all together with the good things for your good, for your glory, for your honor, for your touching someone else's life through that, Lord. The pain that they experience, God, is the pain that will bear witness with someone else that is in pain. God, I ask you to do your mighty work of grace in each one of these lives. And we thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, for bringing healing spirit, soul, and body in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hard at times, and what I always remember is what Smith Wigglesworth said to someone. He said, just because a train goes into a tunnel doesn't mean you get off. Okay, it's coming out. Okay, you know, and uh, the Lord has a plan for you. Everything that has happened to you, all your pain and all your suffering, uh, there's not a man here, okay, that it doesn't matter whether you saw combat or not. There's not a man here that doesn't know a brother that died. There's not a man here that, that uh, you know, you spent that Christmas in a barrack someplace, listened to the chapel play Christmas hymns, you know, and you're in Germany and you're in Japan or you're in the Philippines, you know, you're on wake. You know, and, 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 and I'm honest, man, I, I spend many a night, we said, turn the music off, because I just cried into my pillow. I'm the oldest of seven. I wanted to be home. But understand, you need your pain, and I need my pain. And my pain makes me realize how good my God is, because he's pulled me up out of that, and he pulled you up out of it, okay? All right? So, Father, I pray right now for all these men and women that are here, Lord, that took up the call, you know, for whatever reason, right? and, and chose to serve the country. And Lord, they were hurt at times by that, and they have scars by that. 
And Lord, we need those scars. They remind us of your greatness and your glory. And when we get to heaven, Lord, we will see your scars and we will praise you for what you did for us. And I pray a healing over every man and woman standing here. I pray a healing over everybody in the building and no matter where you are in the world watching this thing. I pray the Lord's healing be upon thee. I pray the shadow of God's hand rest upon you. Let a wall of fire and a hedge of thorns be around you and your home and your family. That Jesus Christ is the king. And what, the, what you need to remember of what Mary went into the upper room and said, He lives and he does live. Hallelujah. Remember that. And you take it to the Lord. You get on your knees and you start praising him when the devil's beating you up. And he will leave you. And once you learn that trick, you will cease to have that old beast lying to you all the time. We praise you, Lord. We give you glory. For you reign from that white throne that is the king of everything. We give thee praise and glory in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Pastor John. Come on, let's thank God for Pastor Chuck and, and all of our veterans here again. Thank you so much. We love you. Listen, one of our pastors is coming tonight. They're going to come and serve communion to anyone that would like to take communion tonight. Uh, we would love for you to do so. We also do have a prayer team that's here. If they would just come in place, uh, we will leave our altars open tonight for anyone that needs prayer. Uh, God bless you. We hope that you have an awesome, awesome rest of your week. Happy Veterans Day to you all. And we hope to see you again very soon. Take care.